end of the picture, but as I've been thinking about it, and I'm sure the engineers in the population will think the same thing, when you take a dam down, something negative could happen because you have this huge buildup of water. And so if you have a series of five dams, which dam do you take down first? There's gonna be some kind of procedure in order to take the dams down in the correct way so the water doesn't become a destructive force, right? And so um, the end of kind of this illustration for me was just giving time to let God show us which dam is the right dam in our own mind. Because, you know, you could take down the last dam that I've kind of figured out that makes the logical sense to me. Uh, because it's probably the smallest dam and holds the least amount of water, so it must be the most destructive, or the least destructive, you know. Or, yeah, right? But if you take the top one down, exactly, you know, all that water's going to come washing out and probably destroy the other dams instead of taking them down, the destruction that can come from that, you know. And so just this picture of, you know, and we've kind of been talking about faith a lot lately, too, about what is the outward working of faith in your life? What does faith actually look like for you? And um, just the looking at those dams and those series of dams and saying, okay, which, what are you highlighting, God? What are you showing me? Okay, I can see these things in my life that could possibly be blocking, you know, your move or could be possibly blocking the best you have for me. But that doesn't necessarily mean we take down the biggest dam or the first dam or the dam that holds the most amount of weight in our life. It might be the middle dam has to come down first or the last dam has to come down first. And the other thing about the dams I was looking at, too, is the very last dam could almost be so small that it may not even really have a natural effect on what's happening in your life. But if that's the way God's showing you to pull it down, or if that's the first one that needs to go, then that's what it is, you know? And so just these pictures and just this waiting on God, that's really what we're trying to accomplish is what is God showing us? What is God telling us? What what is the dam in your life that needs to come down first? You know, um, for me, I really got a picture of five dams. You know, for you it could be two. For you it could be twenty. You know, who knows? But you know, for me it was five dams, and it's really just that idea of that very last dam may be so small, and maybe that's just the first step we need to take. Maybe just is the first thing we need to do. Um, to show God, you know, yeah, we're faithful to do what you've called us to do. So, um, yeah, we're going to uh, take communion. Sorry about your guitar fingers. <laughs> but uh, we're going to take communion. And just in, uh, in Corinthians, it talks about how when you, you know, you go and take communion, you're doing business with God. You know, and I just wanted to kind of put that picture there and give you reference to those dams. And just as we take communion, as we come up and we take the the bread and the cup, you know, it's a good time just to sit and reflect. You know, we're, we're being a witness as we're taking him and saying, yeah, we believe Jesus died on the cross. We believe we're entered into inheritance with him. We believe he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, you know, forever making intercession for us. But, you know, it's also a good time just to sit and relax and let that kind of stuff roll around on the inside of us and let God highlight those things in your life that he's trying to do for you. Um, when worship songs so nicely line up with we don't plan it that way apparently apparently God does so
yeah, all of that, just uh, God trying to get his love to us, you know? So even all the dams or the things God's highlighting in your life or whatever it might be, it's just just in order to get his love to us, you know, just like what the song was saying, <laughs> that uh, nothing's going to stop it from happening. Got that endless love of God, the reckless love of God that uh, can't be stopped. That he leaves the 99 sheep to go take care of the one that was lost. You know, that's the love of God. Uh, so yeah, it's not, uh, I was just thinking about how there's that, um, there's, I think she's Japanese lady on Netflix, or maybe it's not on Netflix over here, but um, uh, Kim Kamiko or something like this, but she's always talking about those things that spark joy. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Please, somebody? No, apparently not. <laughs> but uh, there's a, uh, uh, she's like a house cleaning lady and she, you know, looks at these things and if it doesn't spark joy, you know, then you should get rid of it or something like that. And it's just, it's the love of God, you know, it should spark joy in our life. And uh, that's what he's trying to do, spark joy. So, yeah. Uh, so we're going to look at um, a scripture in Revelations. Um, I've actually never before in my life taught out of the book of Revelations, so... This will be interesting. <laughs> so, um, so just to let you know what's going to happen, uh, I'm sure it's a couple of scriptures, and then I've actually asked Matt uh, to share his testimony with us today. And so, uh, if none of you have heard it, which I've only heard portions of it, so I'm excited to hear the whole thing. Um, so we're in Revelations chapter 12, uh, verses 7 through 12, really. And we have this interaction here about how Satan or the devil um, is thrown out of heaven and um, it ends up going on talking about testimony uh, in verse 11 it talks about and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives uh, to the death so we've got this interaction here if we start out it says a war broke out in heaven Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, and that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, so he's got two names, who deceives the world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then we heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwelt in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. So there I read it all. So... Um, so I'm just looking at this, uh, and I'm going to be brief, um, but I looked at some other translations, and it's actually um, not quite the same in all of the translations, but just where it says, who accused them before our God day and night. And so there's this kind of interesting interaction here where they're talking about how the devil um, 
is kind of sitting there before God. You kind of get this picture that he's sitting there and he's constantly making accusations about us towards God. And so it says that because it says, who accused them past tense before our God day and night has been cast down. And so them here in the scripture is talking about the brethren, which we're now included in this group of believers, the brethren, right? And so here's the devil sitting here just accusing people day and night. But so he gets kicked out of heaven because, you know, there's various reasons. But if we just look accusing us and telling, you know, saying, oh, they're this sin, that sin, oh, this thing they did, oh, that thing they did, you know, and that is one of the reasons God kicked him out because he's just sitting there constantly accusing us of doing these things, you know, and well, maybe we have, but if you look at the other scriptures, we've got something now called Jesus and the blood of Jesus that actually covers us and puts us where Jesus is, which is now he's at the right hand of God. And so there's almost this exchange between devil goes out, Jesus comes in, and I know there's this whole timeline with it, but uh, time doesn't really mean a lot to God. So when you're reading the Bible, if you get too caught up with time, um, it, it can get really confusing. Uh, even without time, it can get a little confusing sometimes. But um, So that's one of the reasons, you know, Satan gets kicked out, because he's constantly accusing us of doing things. And so if we go back a little bit in verse 9, it says, So the great uh, dragon was cast out. And the, ser- the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. So I looked up this word deceives, as I do, because I love definitions. Um, and it's defined as deliberately causing someone to believe something that is not true. So he goes from trying to deceive God in heaven, being our accuser, and trying to say, oh, these people are worthless, they've got nothing, they're full of sin. And now he's down here on earth trying to do the exact same thing. Now... He can't communicate with God directly anymore, so now he's trying to communicate with us. And he's trying to deceive us, and he's trying to deliberately cause us to believe something that is not true. And so he's getting, trying his best for us to fall away from the Bible and look at things in the Bible like healing and prosperity and just the love of God that brings us into repentance or the love of God that allows us to become righteous and stand before him. And now he's talking to us and trying to do the same thing he was doing with God. He's trying to do to us now. He's trying to say, oh, by the way, you're not worthy. Oh, by the way, you're full of sin. Oh, by the way, you know, healing's not for today. Or you shouldn't be healed because you've done this, this, that, and the other. You know, or, oh, you'll never have any money because, you know, you're whatever. You don't do what you're supposed to do. Or whatever the various thing may be. That's what he's trying to do to us. He's trying to deceive us. He's trying to get us to believe something that is not true. You know? So we've got this contrast here between what the Bible says and actually what the devil's trying to do. So not that we're trying to be you know, too devil conscious, but if you don't know what his plans are, you know, he's got plans for us just the same as God has plans for us. You know, and it's good to be focused on what God's doing, and that's the best thing to do is to focus on what God's doing in your life. But it's also important to realize that, you know, the devil's trying to do something too. You know, it's not a one-world system. It's uh, there's a good and bad, you know, which I'm sure we all understand that. Um, so how did they overcome the devil? And so it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb, which is obviously the most important, most powerful, most relevant thing we have, which is when Jesus died on the cross for us, he shed his blood in order to, you know, cover our sins and bring us back into right standing with God. But then it also says, and the word of their testimony. 
And so the word of our testimony is really something that we have. It's really pretty powerful, you know. And um, if some of you were here last week where we had the uh, relationship uh, couple in and they shared uh, 10 relational needs. And one of the things they talked about was how um, stories of salvation and stories of what God's done in your life and stories of what God's doing in your life and your testimony, they didn't use that word, but that's really what it is. Your testimony is really what has an impact on other people. You know? And so um, when we talk about what God's done for us and when we talk about who God is, what really makes it real is when you share what God has actually done for you, your testimony. And it says the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Those two things combined gave them the ability to overcome the devil. So it's not just necessarily, not to take anything away from the blood of Jesus when he died on the cross, but the Bible puts the two together. So it's not something I'm doing. You know, the Bible puts the two together, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So when we get the opportunity to share our testimony, when we get the opportunity to share our story, it's not just something, you know, we're doing just so someone will listen to what we have to say. It's actually a really, really powerful thing that we get to do. And so um, that's the reason why I've asked Matt uh, to share today. Because part of, you know, living the Bible, part of walking out a Christian walk, part of knowing God is that ability to share your testimony and say, you know, what God's done for you. And it really makes it real and alive to other people. So, Matt, it's all yours. Do you need help with your... No. He's got a lot of notes, so I hope you guys are prepared for this. It's going to be a long service. I hate speaking in front of people. All right, so the story with that, that is actually the Bible written out by hand. Takes about three years to do it. So that's near, that's probably, I finished that four years ago, I think. So the story sort of goes back to 2002 in October, I was working at McDonald's down in Darling Harbour going for management course. And... Um, one day I was there trying to open a pack of cheese one morning and had a very severe tremor where this hand started doing that all the time and would not stop no matter what I did. So, you know, it's like, you better go home, go to the doctor, see what's going on. They send me home, I go to the doctor. Two months later I'm seeing one of the number one um, neurologists in the country and he goes, we get to the point where it's either Parkinson's disease or a brain tumour. Being 21, I thought, yay, which one's worse? Which one's better? Didn't really think much of it. I'm like, no, I'm still going to use sense of humour, which T-shirt. <laughs> I've always had a sense of humour. <laughs> which, that's how I deal with things. So, um, I'm like, no, I'm 21, I don't care what I've got, I'm still going to go out and do all those stupid idiotic things that some young 21-year-olds tw would do. It uh, gets to the point where I get diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at uh, 21. Third youngest in New South Wales with it. The other two were 18-year-olds that had other issues as well, so I'll just take that I was the number one at the stage, so 
You know, that was around Christmas of 2002 and me being the funny one that I am decided to call up Today FM for the crappy Christmas presents. And I said, yep, I got diagnosed with Parkinson's and the reaction on the other end of the phone was, uh, that sucks, but no, it doesn't count. I'm like, to me it counted. So there I am, right hand twitching all the time, my left hand would do side to side, slowly progress worse to where my balance is now affected, my arms don't swing where I walk, I can't drive, which for me is massive because I am the biggest petrol head out there. So not being able to drive, not having, losing all my freedom, a lot of my friends would leave me because when they read about Parkinson's, it's the majority of people with Parkinson's, yes, they're over the age of the 50, but within 10 years, they're dead. So I had a lot of friends go, I can't be around you because if you die in 10 years, I can't handle that. So I lost a lot of my friends from back that I used to have back then. I remember early on getting up in front of my church just after my earlier church back to St Barnabas at Broadway in the city. I was there, I get up and the pastor goes, so how did you feel when you were first diagnosed with Parkinson's? I said, oh, a bit shaken up. <laughs> Dead silence. That's a better reaction. It's 120 people going absolutely dead and I'm like, yep, this is why I don't like talking in front of people. <laughs> I get on a few years, I'm still drinking, I'm getting into the drugs and all the other kind of stuff, just that's what my friends are doing, so I thought, I'll do the same. Life was sort of going the wrong track, or with that, Parkinson's picks up sort of halfway through that. And then one night I'm at a friend's birthday party and I'm drunk, because that's what you do at birthdays. Okay, it was a Christian person's birthday, so and he doesn't drink, so I thought, I'll drink for him. Uh, one of his friends come up to me and says, um, I'm starting a Bible study on Tuesday nights, would you like to come? He kept talking and talking. I'm just like, yeah, I'll come, just to shut him up, kind of a thing. And so we start there. They start to hear my story. It's the Parkinson's. I go through a fair amount of... I'm progressively getting worse at that stage to the point where I've tried all of the medication. Most of them I've got side effects for, which one of the side effects for one of them was uncontrolled shaking. So for someone that has uncontrolled shaking, to get more uncontrolled shaking especially while having, trying to have a cigarette. And you've got this hand doing that and your head's going like this. It's just one of the stressful things. But, you know, still I'll take it in my stride and sit there and make jokes. One night we're at the pub, jug of beer, and we were working out all the jobs that I'd be good at with um, Parkinson's. And the funniest one was the day that it started, they came out with shaker fries at Macca's. <laughs> my boss suggested making a box, sticking my hand out the door and just sort of shaking it for a donation get through a few more years of not working, going to the Bible study. It's now moved from my friend's place to my house because he moved, the guy that first started it moved back to China and that's where his ministry was over in there doing a little underground church in his house. It's at my place. We're doing Revelation, a study on Revelation at the time. All my friends are there going, quoting verses from the Bible left, right and centre and I'm just going, I don't know any of this. I'm going to have to start reading it but I won't read it, I'll sort of do two or three verses and stop. I'm going to write it out. And the first idea was going into it just to write out Revelation, nothing else. And the 
Revelation finished and I went, this is kind of cool. I'm going to keep going. God, where do you want me to go next? So he would send me between Old and New Testament, just bouncing around back and forward to where I'd go. I'd just wait and he's like, this one, this one, this one. So then I'd have four listed in my Bible. Every time I'd do one, mark it off, get to the next one. Took about three years and what we'd noticed is the more I wrote, the better my Parkinson's got. To where I'm now at the point, so after three years, I go back to my neurologist and he describes it as unknown, but who cares? I had 37 neurologists, including 36 at Westmead Hospital, diagnose me with Parkinson's. So for 37 doctors all to go, it's Parkinson's, and now to go back to it's unknown, but who cares? They just sort of call it a Parkinsonian tremor because I still have a slight tremor. Nerves, anxiety, stress, this kind of stuff, and my asthma medication can sort of build it up. But the other plus side is I ended up working for three years as an apprentice electrician. So I actually got a job where you'd think 200, 200, 240 volts with a tremor, not smart. Yes, I did belt myself a couple of times through my hand. You know, it's only the hand, I've still got another one. Um, and I got my license, so I've got now got my dream car, which is the big chunky blue thing out there. That's just everything. I was always basing everything on my timing, and what it ended up being was God's timing. So, and you can actually see the difference between from Revelation, where I started, I ended with Genesis, and you can actually see how my writing has changed through the whole thing. So, for me, it was impossible now no longer exists. Whereas I'm on to the next challenge, which is Klein-Felter syndrome. It's one in about 650 men get it. It's an extra X chromosome, so I'm XXY. Low testosterone, higher of the female, the X side of those hormones. Can't put on weight to save my life, so I can eat whatever I want and not gain weight. Yes, everyone's jealous of me. But I can't have kids either. So... Me, I'm not too fussed. I've been single 10 years. I don't have a girlfriend. I've got a truck. That's my kid. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty much the longer, shorter version of the longer, shorter version of just my healing through writing out the Bible. And the thing was, I never went into it to be healed. I just wrote it out to learn it. I can't quote scriptures, but if someone starts talking about it, I know the story straight off. So that's my short, long, short, long version. And if anyone wants to have a look, it's there to flick through it. And I went all out and even color-coded some stuff as well. <laughs> that's the extra X. <laughs> so, thanks. Do you want to do the video? Yeah, I've got an interesting commentation on that <laughs> video. But yeah, well, I guess we got the answer. Writing the Bible was what did it for you, so... Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Um, there's probably a lot more to that story, so it's uh, it's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, not sure where to go from there. Do you want to go somewhere? Testimonies? Do you want to? Does anybody else want to share a testimony?